This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 170 of the Dressage Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by Equestrian Collections, Fleeceworks, Kentucky Performance Products, and Draper Therapies. Reese Koffler Stanfield from Georgetown, Kentucky. And this is Philip Parks from Fergus, Ontario. And you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show. And we also have our producer, Glenn, here with us today as well. Hi, guys. You sound much better now that we got you a real mic now, Philip. I'm a professional now. I, I think I earned it. You have the official Horse Radio Network mic. We finally got it through customs and up to you. I guess they figured out it wasn't a bomb and finally sent it to you. <laughs> yeah, it took a little while, but uh, <laughs> hopefully for all our listeners, I sound better. Yes, you do. You do. Yes, you do. Congratulations, Philip. (laughs) You're official now. (laughs) Thank you. Um, But on a sadder note, I guess, Reese, you have a little bit of news and uh, what's going on with you. I do, and and I'm I'm very sad to to say this, but we had a very um, wonderful friend and client, Anne Marie Brixen. Um, she owns uh, Katrina here at the barn, and she passed away this week um, from breast cancer. And so it's been a tough week for us here at the barn. And um, she's a woman who is a wonderful horsewoman. She. Um, uh, rode saddlebreds and competed and won the world championships many, many times. But she's been a client of mine. Uh, we teased her all the time. She was our closet dressage rider. Um, she was just loved the sport and enjoyed learning um, about dressage and had had many, many goals to go on and, and ride upper levels. And um, she's going to be sadly missed. So it has been a tough week here at the barn. But um, I think in her honor, the show today, she would love all the guests we're going to have and all the discussion on uh, young horses to older horses. So um, I definitely feel she's an angel looking down at us here at the barn and, um, you know, uh, we will miss her a lot. So thanks for letting me dedicate that to her today. Well, we're happy to do that. I mean, that's the smallest thing that you can do for a great supporter that, uh, that has passed away. Yeah, it, it is, and it's tough. And, and as we all know, we're all friends and family, and and in the in the horse world, and, and to lose someone like herself uh, is tough. But she would like us to carry on and and keep the the ball rolling. So, um, Philip, can you tell us a little bit about uh, the results of the Young Horse Championships? Well, sure. I mean, I can report on uh, you know all, we had all the guests on last week, so we'll just say you know in the four year old final. Uh, Becky Noman or Rebecca Noman uh, was seventh. Uh, Debbie Hill in the five-year-old final was fifth and sixth with her two horses. And in the six-year-olds, uh, Ula Parker was eighth. So, you know, great job to all those riders. We're really happy that they came on the show and uh, talked to us about, you know, their ride and their experience at the at the championships. And uh, we're happy that they did that and, and we'll continue to support them as they go on with these horses and we can, we can watch them and... Uh, you know, the great thing is today we have uh, Scott Hassler come on and uh, also talk about the Young Horse Championships and uh, as the results and, and how he feels about the program for young horses in, in the U.S. So that's great. It was, and, and it sounds from all reports that it was a wonderful championship. And next week we are going to try and have some riders on to talk about the developing horse uh, Grand Prix and the Pre-St. George uh, to kind of give us a rundown on how that went. So looking forward to that. Yeah, I think it is a great progression of, of you know, bringing along young horses and then up into top sports. So uh, we're looking forward to that. Hopefully we can get some great guests and some more great discussion going. 
Exactly. And another, just a great uh, thing that happened this weekend, and there were wonderful pictures of uh, Ravel, our Stefan Peters Mount from the last two Olympics. He is now retired. Um, he is 14, and he retired after his second Olympics with his owner, Akiko, at her farm, Four Winds Farm in Woodside, California. And he has many adoring fans. So um, really happy about that. And, and, and you can see it, it, the picture online is adorable. Akiko and, and Ravel have the biggest smile on their faces so pretty awesome that we can and she's able to do that for him for the rest of his life yeah it was nice to see that i mean i saw quite a few photos i mean of of ravel in the paddock and having a great time i think you know a horse that's done so well in competition really deserves that kind of retirement and uh it's just it's just heartwarming to see exactly you know just uh very good yeah Um, anything else in the news this week reese well, yeah. Um, interestingly enough, Caroline Rothman now has the ride on Sagacious, uh, Lauren Samus's horse. She w- took him to the Pan Am Games. Uh, Caroline had him at uh, the, the Young Horse Finals. I guess she must have taken him to work with Debbie McDonald. So it's going to be very exciting to see what happens with that team. I think that's going to be a wonderful partnership. So uh, that will be fun to see what happens. And well, also, a little bit things changing around, right? You know, horses move. Yeah. Here, or there, and and uh, it's it's great to continue to see see them in top sport, and uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. Exactly, and Caroline is is up and coming. She she won the developing horse uh, last week, and and she's a, a top level rider, and and he's a top horse. So uh, I think we're all looking forward to see you know seeing what happens with that team. Other things that are going on: the the World's Dressage Masters is coming back to Florida. Um, Next year in the spring, you know, we've had that event for a couple of years, right? There's big prize money in it. Big riders come, you know, even from Europe to show in the show. So, you know, that's great. I think I'm going to try and go down and, uh, and see that in, in Florida. That means you're coming to visit us, so we're really excited. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you and I, we're, we're going to have to uh, – we'll have to tell Glenn that we're reporting at the World Research Masters. Maybe we can do something uh, live from there. But it's scheduled right now for the 23rd and 27th of 2013. And that's uh, – Yeah. And what, what month? January. 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 Yep, okay. Yeah. Yep. I was yeah. going to say, Glenn, you've been awful quiet when I put that little plug in. But, no, I'll be down. It's only a short drive for me. <laughs> Yeah, well, well, we may well, have to have a we'll party. Together. Yeah. Well, you know what? Well, I'm only coming if the water has receded. We're going to have Tammy Hogan today to talk about Wellington and the flooding they've had down there. Sounds oh, quite amazing. Sounds, yeah, so sounds we'll, terrible. We'll learn a and little I'm bit more and... about that in a couple minutes. But I'm only coming down if the water's gone and the alligators I, and the crocodiles. Yeah, I agree with that. I'm like, only coming down for that. I'm terrified <laughs> of snakes and crocodiles. Seriously, I'm really, really scared of that kind of stuff. So when she was, uh, talks about it later here in the show, it is... Oh, and some really um, exciting news from London. Uh, the Para Games are starting. Uh, so, uh, and they start competition starts August 30th. So, starts tomorrow in Greenwich Park. Uh, 78 riders from 26 countries are vying for medals. And we wish our U.S. team and, and Becca Hart, she came on the show a few months ago. And, and we have our fingers crossed. And she's just a wonderful person. And, and Don't so forget are, about the Canadian team. I am <laughs> so excited. Okay. 
need to get my plug in That's a little sucky. bit, you know. Sorry. I don't want to be railroaded here about <laughs> <laughs> I'll cheer for your riders, but always mine first. I will I will cheer for I you know what I if for any rider at that kind of world championship, I'm cheering for him. I know I how saw, hard it is. I saw a bunch of pictures yeah. last night that were posted on Facebook, um friends with a lot of them and uh, from the opening ceremonies and, and they had a, it what looked like a really fun opening ceremonies. It was it was it was cool looking. So uh, I'm sure they were all thrilled to be there for that. Good. Well, I'm looking forward to reporting on that. But uh, as for this week, let's maybe get uh, get to the show. Very good. We're going to have uh, Tammy Hogue here in a second talking about her horses. But, but first, we want to ask her about all the flooding that's happened in Wellington thanks to uh, what was Tropical Storm Isaac. It, it, it went right around us. Uh, by the time it got past the southern part of the state down there, the very tip, it had gone out the, uh, out into the Gulf a good bit, and so here in Ocala, we were actually dry. We had less rain than we do on a normal day, so um, they were the part of the state that really got hit hard, and we're going to do that right after this word from Kentucky Performance Products. Hi, everyone. Glenn the Geek here. Kentucky Performance Products has become a favorite of many listeners of the Horse Radio Network. They have a product that we want you to consider called Contribute. Contribute is the omega-3 fatty acid supplement that is so important to your horse's well-being. Contribute helps maintain soundness and longevity by protecting joints from damaging inflammation and sustains a strong immune response in horses of all ages. Learn all about omega-3 and 6 fatty acids and why they are so important. Go to kppusa.com for more information. That's kppusa.com. I'm very excited to have Tammy Hogue on the show today. Tammy is an internationally renowned author and also Grand Prix rider, and she is going to give us a firsthand uh, view on what's happening in Wellington after Hurricane Isaac came by. Hi, Tammy. Welcome to the show. Thanks for coming on. Oh, thanks for having me. So we, you caught our attention on Facebook. Actually, Glenn and I, about the same time, saw the picture of that huge alligator outside of your barn in Wellington, and we had yeah. to call you. Oh, yeah. my gosh. <laughs> what a monster. What an absolute monster. I mean, really, we said that, that's not an alligator. That's a dinosaur. That's, that's something that came up out of the primordial swamp, I think. Oh my gosh, is something for your next book? That's all I got to say. For sure, yes. Yes, (laughs) definitely. Inspiration. Oh my goodness. So so tell us a little bit about how it, you know, what's going on down there and what happened? Um, Because we haven't heard a lot on the national news about Wellington at all. Yeah, they kind of forgot about us, you know, because the the actual hurricane went, of course, to New Orleans, but we got the backside of it. And, you know, they had been saying we would have rain and some wind. But they were thinking, you know, five or six inches of rain, not 14 or 15 inches of rain, which is what happened. Uh, you know, and the, and the rain started it started pretty much in earnest on Sunday, and it just did not quit. It was Sunday, Sunday night, and thunderstorms and tornadoes, and, you know, it was the wrath of God coming down on us. It was crazy. And it, it just kept going, you know, and all day Monday and uh, and everything flooded. There was just no, there was just nowhere for the water to go. So, you know, a lot of the communities, the you know, horse neighborhoods and stuff around here were just really literally underwater. And today it's a, a little bit better. Things are receding somewhat. But, um, um, you know, the paddocks where, where, my, where I keep my horses, you know, I said we, we need to start advertising that 
that we do aqua therapy. You know, <laughs> bring your horse, swim in our spacious pools because that's what it looked like. It it was just crazy. So, how deep do you think that the water was, and how extensive? You know, was the damage to any buildings or 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 what? Does it did the water come into the barns, or are the barns um, high well, enough? Well, it, it did not come into our barn because uh, the the barns where my horses are are built up really well. But um, but there were certainly a lot of places that had water everywhere and water in the buildings. Anything that was at all low lying, and um, and yeah, there, I mean, there's a whole community out uh, west of town where the people are literally still to the, you know today still stranded in their houses and they don't have power and you know they're going up and down the streets in canoes and and airboats and stuff. So, um, you know, it, it got really serious to the west of town, especially. But even even in my community right in Wellington, I, I couldn't leave my house. I couldn't get in. My street was flooded. There was nowhere nowhere to go. You couldn't get out. And even when I decided I could get out, that was a bad idea, and I drowned my car. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, man. Oh, yeah, my gosh. That was, man, that was bad. <laughs> Well, wow. And and your horses, they're all okay? They've just been in the barn? What have they been doing yeah, for them? Just, yeah, well, we've been able to now. The last, uh, yesterday, they got to get out and tack walk and and uh, everything like that. But, um, yeah, you, you know, the arenas are all flooded and, uh, you know, you have, to, you have to keep an eye out on the road because, you know, I mean, every, every kind of swamp creature is floating around out there so big shift of you know snakes going places and alligators going places and <laughs> it's um it's the wild kingdom wow and how far away do you have to go to get to dry land i mean where where is the flooding how expansive over maybe florida is it oh, well actually i think palm beach county got hit the hardest because i i had uh uh, friends in, in Broward County who were posting on Facebook and saying it's not that bad here, it's not that bad here. Um, I, I think we really got it the hardest and, and that area out west of town, the acreage, um, just really nailed badly, badly. Um, you know, and the, and the kind of stuff you normally do see on the on the television news, you know, if the actual named storm hadn't gone where it went, we, we, you would probably have seen those things on the news. I still have the heebie-jeebies that there are alligators and snakes roaming around because I am really yes. terrified of those things. I wouldn't go out of my house, I don't think. I really wouldn't. I The snake thing is a problem for me. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I look out my store and, you know, there are small children on boogie boards going up and down the street and I'm like, oh my God, don't get eaten by a snake. Freaks me out. And of course the water is disgusting. You know, it's like septic <sighs> tanks have failed and, you know, every kind of disgusting bacteria and everything in that water. It's really nasty. Oh, well, well, we are praying and hoping that everything continues to get better down there. And it just, oh, my gosh, it sounds terrible. So so I am dying to know, though, while this is all going on, have you been working on books? What have you been what have you been up to? Well, I've been trying. (laughs) I'm on deadline. I'm on deadline right now for my next book. But, uh, yeah, I had to call my editor and say, you know, an act of God has come upon us. And uh, and I literally had, I had a massive fail on my roof. I've got a chimney issue. And, um, and I had, I had, it was raining. Hurricane Isaac was in my office 
raining down while I was trying to work. And, um, yeah, that has not been a good situation. Oh, my gosh. Wow. But so now when your deadline and then you were you were saying also with one of your books are being re-released? Yeah, um, Ashes to Ashes, which was out, I, wow, quite a while ago now. It's probably been 10 years ago or so that uh, that book came out. And that's been re-released in paperback this month. Um, it, uh, it's the first book that featured uh, a pair of homicide detectives from Minneapolis, uh, Kovac and Liska. And they went on to be in three more books. And, um, and and we just kept asking me, when are you going to go back and write more about them? And uh, so the book I'm working on now is, is another book with Kovac and Liska. So the publisher thought it would be a good opportunity to, you know, for, for people who haven't picked those books up in the past uh, to have a chance to pick that up. Is there anything else you can tell us about the about the new book? Maybe a bit of a teaser or something about what's uh, what's coming yeah, out. Yeah, uh, it's called the Ninth Girl, and uh, the it, it begins with a, a, a quite a gruesome scene uh, with a, a body falling out of a trunk on a freeway on New Year's Eve, and um, and she she is dubbed by by the media Zombie Doe because she she is so messed up. She looks. They, they, the, the guy who sees her come out of the trunk says a zombie came out of the trunk, um, and she's obviously a murder victim, and they don't know who she is. It's a Jane Doe investigation, and she's the ninth Jane Doe of the year, and she may or may not be the victim of a serial killer. We don't know. That's that's all part of the mystery, but um, she's a, a girl of about 15 or 16, and uh, we come to learn a lot about her her family situation and um, it touches on the story touches on bullying in high school and um, you know some some contemporary uh, topics issues like that now obviously being a writer you have to have you know a pretty vivid imagination it seems like yours is a little morbid maybe or you know for, <laughs> to write murder murder <laughs> mysteries and that sort yes. of thing where you know is there something really troubled in your past that this is coming from or not, is this where you go it must, be, it, it must be from a past life or something because yeah. i you know i have a, I have a very i'm a happy person i'm i'm a lot of fun but yeah i certainly i certainly like to explore that dark side of of humanity and i think you know for me the writing is is all about the psychology of the characters and that's where it gets really really interesting and really gritty and, you know, getting into the dynamics of relationships when things go that wrong, you know, what drives a person to, to get to that point where they would actually take another person's life and, um, and, you know, what, what went on in that, that relationship. And, um, you know, I just, I find that, that just fascinating. Human nature is fascinating to me. And, uh, and the dark side is, is more fascinating than the, than the happy part. <laughs> Well, it makes for for better excitement, anyways. <laughs> yes, <laughs> if you know, yeah, if you if you were reading about people who were just happy all the time, yeah, and having a good time, you know, and, you know. <laughs> you'd be like, yeah, well, you know, forget them, my life stinks. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I always say, you know, people read suspense and they're like, wow, thank God that's not me. You know, they they feel so much better about yeah. their own life. <laughs> Maybe that's it. <laughs> 
So Tammy, tell us also, you're a wonderful rider and you, you have amazing horses and do such a great job with them. What's going on with the horses when you can actually ride them? <laughs> well, I ha- I do sneak out. I do sneak out you know, during the summer. You know, we don't do a lot down here during the summer because it is so hot and we show so heavily in, in the winter and train so hard in the winter. So summer is is time to go, you know, all back to basics and they're in the snaffle bridles and we're working on gymnastics and, and really the, those minutia things of, of basic, basic training. And, um, so that's, that's what I do during the summer with, with my guys and they get an extra day off in the summer. They hack a day and they get, they get an extra day off and, um, you know, but I, I need to go out and see them for my sanity. Otherwise, you know, think, think, you know, imagine what goes on in my head, what's living in my head. I need to get away from that. Yeah, you need to get away from that. Yeah. I, 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 yeah, I, I need to get up and get away from that every once in a while. So, you know, if I can start my day, you know, like at least three times a week uh, still to to go out and, and get on a horse and, and clear my head. And that's always, that's kind of my meditation time. I'm, I'm a complete failure at actual meditation because I can't stop my brain from going crazy. <laughs> but when I'm on the horse, that's my meditation time. You know, that's when, you know, you know, that feeling where you just, you're on there and you're breathing with the horse and everything is just kind of the energy is just flowing through both of you. And, you know, what a, what a beautiful and, and you know, centering kind of experience that is. I think that's uh you know a lot of people go to riding and dressage especially for that uh for that experience so I think a lot of our listeners are going to going to be able to relate to that. Do you want to yeah. tell us about uh you know what you're riding right now and what horses are going and and what your plans are maybe cuz you know yeah. the winter's the winter's coming around and then I know, know winter is coming. It's uh yeah. Um well I've got I've got two Grand Prix horses. I've got uh Bacchus, Bacchus Delight and um and uh Lone Star. Lone Star is, is my big guy. And uh so he had really this, last year was really my first season with him. I bought him two years ago and then I I had a major crash um off a off another horse and wrecked my knee and I missed a whole season and uh so last year was really my first season with him and, and kind of um you know, sort of, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to say retraining him, but, you know, us getting to know each other and, and my system and how I like things. And, uh, you know, so there was, uh, we had our, we had our ups and downs in the show ring, but I was so hugely proud of him. You know, he's, he's a really fun horse and he's, uh, he, he wants to do well and he wants to really please. And, and, you know, about long about the third show, he found an extra gear in his trot that he hadn't, he hadn't known he had before. And he was so amazed with that. <laughs> <laughs> it was it, it was bad for the score. I have to say, but it was so it was it was so delightful because he he was just so proud. You know, I'm like, oh well, that's great, but you only know how to do that in a straight line. That you know, that's not helpful right now. Yeah, that could be problematic. Yeah, <laughs> it really is like, that's and so now easy. we have to go sideways, and then he'd be like, oh, oh crap, I can't, I don't know how to do that. You know? And then there's like legs going everywhere, and you know, so 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 we didn't have, uh, you know, on the surface of it, it didn't look like we had the best season, but I was I was just thrilled, really. I was, he's such a joy to work with, and and um, he's he's just been so much fun. So I was, I'm looking forward to a really good season with him this year. And and 
and with Bacchus too. And Bacchus now, he'll, I think he's 18, coming 18 next season. So he's, you know, winding down. But in some respects, uh, physically, he's better than he's ever been. He's really sound and, um, and happy and working hard. And, you know, so, so I'm looking forward to that. That sounds great. And it takes so long to get them ready in the Grand Prix and get a good one. So even when you have those moments, it's so exciting sometimes. And, and you have it to work is. toward, <laughs> toward yeah. keeping that. Yeah, you know, yeah, you have to enjoy the journey, you know, for sure, in dressage. You know, it's it's all great when it when it all comes together, but it's such a long road. And, uh, you know, you just you really have to enjoy those all those small things, those small pieces that, that go with it. Well, Tammy, thank you so much for your time today, and and we hope you and the whole community of Wellington stay safe and all the snakes go back to where they live. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) But thanks for taking time out of your day to talk with us about your book and your horses, and I hope you'll come back on the show. This has been lots of fun when the book's ready. Thanks for having me. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you. Well, we're going to be back with our next guest, Scott Hassler, in just a minute. But first, we have to hear from a couple of our sponsors, and we'll be right back. Hi, Glenn, back with you from the Horse Radio Network. I'm here with Debbie with the Equestrian Collections Product of the Week. This week, we're featuring some new exciting breaches that we have in in stock right now for the plus size rider. Equine Couture Plus Size Cool Max Champion Side Zip. These breeches have a year of seat. They have the CF2 bottoms, which is that silky uh, material that helps you get the boot, uh, your leg in the boot nice and smoothly. They, the fabric is 82% nylon, 12% Coolmax, and 6% Lycra, the most comfortable thing you can put on. They're perfect for summer riding. They're perfect for summer shows, and they're in stock right now. We have long and regular sizes all the way from 36 up to 44. So this is just the perfect summer breach, and we can get it to you right away. Just uh, It's about $79. Wow, well, that's a, a terrific price, price, Debbie. Yeah, that's terrific. Yeah, so that's the Equine Couture Cool Max Champion Side Zip. You can also shop in our 1824 store to find these breeches and many other products for the plus-size rider. And, of course, that's all at equestriancollections.com. Glenn the Geek here from the Horse Radio Network, and I am here with Kat from Draper Therapies with the Draper Therapies Product of the Week. What are we talking about this week, Kat? Well, this week we're actually going to be talking about two products, so it's kind of products of the week, and we're going to be talking about our eye pillow and shoulder wrap that we have available, and both of them are filled with flaxseed. So with the Draper Therapies products, normally you're getting an increase in circulation and health benefits, you know, that help you sleep better and all sorts of other great things, help you get rid of pain. But these products in particular, because they have the flaxseed in them, can either be thrown into the freezer or the microwave for added therapeutic benefits. So the unscented ones are usually ones we recommend to go into the microwave because otherwise our uh, lavender burns and doesn't smell so good and you know, you don't want that smell in your house, but <laughs> which is the bad thing. But 
if you go with the unscented version, you'll actually find that when you put it in the microwave, you can put it on different parts of your body that might be ailing you, especially if you've got a tight shoulders and tight neck, and heat is the best recommendation for, you know, helping you feel a little bit better. These products work twofold, so you get the therapy plus you get the heat in that. Or if you throw them in the freezer, then you can throw them just about anywhere. And if you've got maybe an injury or something that just, you know, feels a little funky after a day of riding, you can put them right on there. And I've actually had a lot of customers using the eye pillows as almost um, like boo-boo packs for your little kids. So you'd, you know, keep them in the freezer all the time. And then when something, you know, came up or a little, you know, scratch happened, you could just throw that right on top of it. So both of these items are very affordable. They're, you know, either $15 for the eye pillow or $25. And you do save when you buy them in pairs. They're great gift items and they're just great all around to have. And, of course, you can find them all at drapertherapies.com. And, and for these particular products, you would want to look under the category of body therapy. Now, I have to say that I must be a geek because uh, when you were saying eye pillow, I was thinking the letter I pillow like uh, iPod and <laughs> everything Apple. So that I went right to that, and I was like, they're going to sue you for that. But I, I wasn't thinking <laughs> your eyes, see, so... I am definitely a geek. I need to get out yeah. more. Well, maybe you just need one of these to put on your head because you just got too much going I on. I need in your help. Brain yeah, right <laughs> that's what you're saying, Kat. Well, thank you very much. It's DraperTherapies.com. Next up, we have Scott Hassler, the USEF Young Horse coach, and he's going to tell us all about the uh, wrap up from the Young Horse Championships, a little bit about the World Young Horse Championships and uh, where that program is going and a small training tip for young horses. So we got him on for, for a lot here. Scott, thank you so much for coming on the show. We're honored to have the USCF National Young Horse uh, Coach with us today. Yeah, my pleasure. Anytime to help you guys out. So, Scott, we've been talking in the last few weeks and had a segment on, uh, you know, young horse and young horse training. And last week we talked uh, to some of the riders at the young horse uh, championships. And we'd love to just kind of get your take on how the championships went. Well, I think every year we see an improvement in these championships and in, and, and in, various, in various ways. For example, I think it's just par for the course that sometimes you see years which have better condensed high quality of horses that goes year by year, and I'm not saying by any means this year that the that the horses weren't good, but I do think that we had higher, more high-quality horses last year than this year, but that, again, is not taking anything away from, from the quality of horses from, from this year. But I think the atmosphere this year, for me, was a highlight. We had a lot more people watching and participating. Uh, for example, they had to build 35 more tables for the VIP area um, than last year. I think that's a you know, a great trend in Lamplight. They're just such great hosts. So, again, I think the, the viewing, the watching, the atmosphere, and particularly for me, and this isn't Young Horse related, but it's just the championship related. This year for me, I was really excited to see a vision that I personally, as well as many others, have wanted to see, which was adding the developing Grand Prix to the Young Horse Championship. So we saw what I'm going to call our age group horses all the way from four-year-old to Grand Prix at one facility in one championship level i think that was that was really a highlight for me and now leading up to the championships when you're traveling around the country you know are we seeing a, a positive trend um in the young horses and in, in the quality of the horses and also the riding do you feel like you know this program is is 
um, become a success yet, or you know, is it developing in the right way? Yeah, uh, great question there, Philip. So the answer is yes, and simple yes. So, for example, what I think is really changing uh, over the years is that people are understanding the standard and the way in which to ride these young horses a bit better. And I, and when I say better, I don't mean um, stronger or forceful, or I simply mean more expression, showing off their gates a bit more without being artificial, raising the demands of what a four, five, and six-year-old, I don't, I don't like the word should, but what they're able to do and what they're capable to do and strive for that. And then you can always back off if they're if they hit a stumbling block somewhere, but they're, they're raising the bar a little bit. They're, they're trying to get more out of their horses in a, in a, I think a nice way. And in terms of numbers and things, you know, the program grew by, you know, probably 10% this year, um, which I think is great. And I think that people are, are making smarter choices with their young horses. They're realizing, uh, this isn't a horse that really needs to try out to go to the world breeding championships. It's, I, I like my young horse. I believe in him. It's a really good candidate. But I don't want to ship him, you know, 3,000 miles uh, across the con- you know, across the ocean and try for this really spectacular championship. That's not really in my cards. I'd rather just build this horse up that nicely nationally and, and go from there. But in general, I really do see uh, a pretty good trend traveling on the country of people who are participating, and, and I see them training the horses pretty well. So, Scott, um, let's say that one of our listeners has a young horse and they feel like they, they would like to get he or she into the young horse program. How does, how does one get a horse to you or involved in the program? Well, the straightforward answer there is that um, for this 2012 year, for the first time, I did a lot more training sessions around the country versus just East Coast, West Coast, and then occasionally I would do a mid mid-country training session. So it was hard to get to me, basically. Um, so what we've tried to do is we've heard the plead where people say, hey, can, 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 can Scott get to more areas of the country and, and help out? And we've tried to address that. So um, if it's a combination that's not in the system, so let's just say you've got a four-year-old, it hasn't competed as a three-year-old at all, it's new as a four-year-old, you want to try to get some results in the show ring with that horse at training level or first level, whatever's appropriate for that horse, because all the training sessions are done by application through the USEF website. And a show record certainly helps. Behind that would be a video of the horse that I can at least see the horse. And that's probably the most difficult thing that I have as a, co- as a national coach that maybe the others don't have is that I'm starting with these horses. They're not in the system yet. So I've got to try to find them uh, throughout the country. So the best way is to get show records. If you're already in the system, these training sessions are by first choice are horses that are in the system. Then it gets filled with horses which provide a video um, of the training, and I can see the quality. And these are, if you want to view it, high-performance young horses that I'm to be training, not just everyone, high-performance. So I'm looking for the best horses, the best quality. And then, of course, we, we can fill in with horses that maybe couldn't get in the show ring or maybe somebody just got the horse imported, whatever. But they're they're... They're done through the website from USEF. They are by application, and they are they are intended to be. The rides are for horses which are the highest caliber horse rider combinations, and they are new for 2012. They are open to the public. We had auditors at each of these clinics, which I think was great. 
Okay, great. Now, it's my understanding that um, there were no American horses that crossed to Germany to compete at the World Championships this year, but but you did. Do you want to talk about the World Championships, uh, you know, quickly, and and what you see going on there, and how the U.S. can be continually competitive at you know at, at on that stage as well? Yeah, sure, sure. Um, so we didn't have any U.S. bred horses go across the ocean, but we did have okay. one U.S. horse based here go across. Um, and that was Sabine Schutkeri with the Stein Sanseo from California as a six-year-old. She went over. Um, right. So we had two ho- So the U.S. has allowed two five-year-old horses and two six-year-old horses to compete in the World Breeding Championships. And actually, this was kind of funny this year. Normally, we get more five-year-olds trying out than six-year-olds for some reason. This year, we had no five-year-olds that made it or wanted to go, and, to, and we filled the, the two six-year-olds. Um, the, the World Breeding Championships themselves, um, they're on, I think they're on a really, really good trend personally, and I can only share my thoughts, obviously. But yeah. for me, they're on a good trend because there's a lot of critics in the past who have said, oh, these championships, they just show off gates. They're a stallion show. They don't relate to the future of our sport. Um, they're just a showcase of, of false gates from clever riders, you know, all these type things. And over the years, and when I say over the years, I'm going to go deeper than five years. I'll probably say eight, eight years, something like that. It, it started to, to change a little bit. They started really rewarding transitions and good self-carriage and, and future horses for the sport, not just fancy gates. Um, and I think it's on a very, very good trend. Um, the championships themselves, the FBI starts keeping records of this because they obviously they're concerned and then they care about these championships. Um, you now see, in the last five years, 80% of the horses who competed at the World Breeding Championship for Young Horses have gone on to prison George and higher international success. I think that's a very, very strong statistic that is pretty hard to fault. The last Olympics in London, five horses came through the Young Horse World Championships. So I think we, we are seeing horses in Young Horse programs worldwide be successful in high-level sport. I think the criticism to that is pretty much... I want to say done. There will always be some critics that think it's not important, but uh, time is now on the side of young horse programs because the results are proving that we are finding very good counted horses towards Grand Prix. And for U.S. riders, if they're looking at going across the ocean and spending that money and all those things, there's a couple of things that I really do recommend. Number one, yes, you can live stream things around the world, and that's getting really easy, but I do think... If it's something that's in your cards and you think it's something you want to do in the future, I really, really recommend spending the money and time and going over and watching it. Get familiar with the environment. Get familiar with the game you think you want to play. Feel it. Understand the championships. That way, when you go over with your horse, you're a little bit more familiarized with everything and more settled. And also, you know the game you're trying to play. Um, the atmosphere there is huge. And when we get somebody complaining because um, – somebody got too close to a fence just watching an arena in the U.S. Hey, Ferdin, they're right next to you, and they're serving coffee and cake, and, and dishes are clanging. And I mean, they're right next to the ring. There's a ton of atmosphere. I think to see that and feel that and know that's the game you want to play, I highly recommend you know, that, that avenue of checking it out. That's the one. Two is really evaluate your combination of yourself and your horse and say, you know, what's my objective for going over there? Is is this to be in the top five? I don't want to go and spend all that money if I don't have a chance to be in the top five. Then I'm going to really safely say right now, and I'm sorry it's a bold statement, but it's true. 
the top five over there right now is you get there by luck. You got to have a spectacular ride with no mistakes, an incredibly competitive horse, and it's extremely, extremely, extremely difficult. I think it's better to look at it to say, you know, I might end up where I'm going to end up. I really feel I have a good horse. I want to go for the experience. I want to go because to make the top five right now is really, really, really difficult. And I certainly wouldn't tell someone in the States, yeah, go, you'll be in the top five. I, I don't want that on my shoulders because they're that good over there. They're just simply that good. But to say, you know, can we make the, can we make the final, the top 15 and, and feel that success? Then I think play your cards, get as, as best prepared as you possibly can and go for it. But if you want to make top five, I'd, I'd say, you know, look, if you're going to be happy, if you don't make top five and higher, I'd say, you know what? Save yourself the trip. Don't go. So, Scott, tell us a little bit about your vision um, and the next step for the U.S. Young Horse Program. Yeah, good question, Reese. I, I don't know if I have a, uh, a big specific vision or something like that. There's two things that come to mind. One is that I think education around the country is really, really important with young horse training. So I'm really glad that we tested this year more clinics and that they're open to the public to watch and audit that. Um, for the reason that, that my feeling was, as a national coach, not high performance. When you're working with Olympic horses and things like that, if there's an issue, you don't really want the world to know that. But for young horses, this is a, you know, a step in their careers. And if you have something to work through, it's not like it's forever or it's politically going to be known that this horse has this issue. It's, it's stages in horses' lives. And I think the more we can have open training like this is fantastic because training is, is extremely important. And I'm using that word training because I think sometimes we have clinics and I'm not criticizing, I'm just being blatantly honest. Sometimes we can have a lot of clinicians come in and they top dress things and they improve your frame or your bend or a little bit more tempo or something, but they don't get into a subject that needs to be worked through really well. And I think with young horses, if there's a subject, you better work through it. Otherwise, you got a bigger problem later. And and I think having that open, I'm certainly very, very glad we've taken that approach. So that's the one thing is just education around the country, open training, discussing things, showcasing, you know, the horses that we have and why we, we've made these choices. So uh, education is the one. The second one that's brewing is um, it's been worked on for, for a couple of years now, and I'm, I'm pretty involved with it, is I really think it would be fun to have a multi-discipline young horse championships in the States, similar to, let's I'll use the example of Germany with the Bundeschampionat, it's called. You know, I, I think to have jumping, eventing, dressage, jumping, I mean, um, driving, all together with the best young horses from different disciplines could be extremely exciting. Um, so that's the second vision, is to is to look at it that way. But I'm, I'm actually really, really happy and I'm thrilled with where the Markel Young Horse Program is at the moment. Um, for me, the icing on the cake of why I'm thrilled is not just to say it, but why is because for me, the most meaningful thing is that when, when horses have come through the young horse program that we're seeing them later in sport representing our country. And the last two years at the festival of champions, which would be a, you know, a really good way to measure how that's going. We have a lot of what I'm going to call graduates of the young horse program, very strongly representing us, um, in the high level sport. So for me, Last year was an incre incredibly good year when three of the four Pan Am horses for dressage all were young horse graduates. So 
I'm pretty happy with how things are going. Wonderful. Now, I just want to switch it up a little bit, Scott. I know that you spend a lot of time uh, training and, and watching horses and riders, and, and both Reese and I have had help from you. So we're looking for you know, maybe a, a training tip or some advice for somebody who rides young horses and maybe a problem that you see commonly or you know, something to help out the riders there a, a little bit if we could just have a little bit of that time. Um, right now for something anyways okay um you know one that comes to mind is it's, you know it's a little bit harder which is with, with, with a basic topic one that comes to mind to me is um you know i think a lot of people they 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 want to be nice to, to the horses of course look we all do this because we love the horses in the end let's hope anyway so what is nice that's a, that's a really good question what is nice well if you have a young horse let's say that isn't going forward to ride it without spurs. I don't know that that's nice. So sometimes I see people take that approach. They say, you know what? He should learn to move from my leg. And I agree. He should move from your leg. So therefore riding without a spur is really, really good for young horses. Cause I want to make sure that he listens to my proper leg and a spur is an excuse. And I have to say, I often, not often, sometimes I see this where they think riding without a spur is a good thing. And it's actually counterproductive in many cases. So that's one training tip right there I'd like to bring forward is that, um, of course, every aid used properly is what we want. But if a horse isn't moving forward from the leg and you go a long time trying to fix this with just your leg without a spur, and then all of a sudden you try a spur one time and he goes, wow, hey, you, you've just prevented a habit from getting worse. I think you want to be careful about what is nice for a horse. And I'm personally, I can, again, only share my view on a training tip is that I don't think riding with a whip is an excuse and I don't think riding with a spur is an excuse. It's, it's everything is used within reason. And I actually don't often ride a young horse without a whip, to be honest, because I think it's good that they always have a forward desire. Not that I need my whip, but it's there in case they are trying to find an escape route. And I make sure that I can ride without it for 10 minutes per ride or, or whatever, that it's not needed, but I certainly like it there as a, as a reinforcer. The second is, um, since I chose spurs, I'll choose whip. Um, to me, to me, the whip is kind of a critical piece uh, when we start collection. And again, I can only share my viewpoints. And that is that for me, it makes sense. A horse thinks early on leg means forward, leg means directional, whether it's shoulder in, leg guild, whatever. But when they first learn from your seat and leg how to collect their bodies, that's the first unnatural thing we're teaching a horse. They don't know this from nature. They know flee, which is run. They know, they, they know to yield from your leg. But to get the bridge of their back and sit the hind legs down and do all those things, I really think that's where the whip is extremely helpful as what I like to term it an extension of your leg. You let the horse know to use the croup a little bit differently than you want it from a forward aid or from a directional aid. And it's very helpful to teach horses how to collect from the whip with the width of support of your seat and leg. So I, I really like the whip, which is supposed to be. It's an aid in your hand, not a punishment. So that's one training tip so far, Philip, is that, that use of spur, use of whip. It's not that I'm a fan of it, but I do think if you're trying to do it without those two things and the training isn't going well, I don't think that's nice to the horse. I think it's better to be clear to the horse. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a wonderful point and a great tip for uh, to people that, uh, that you create a communication around your aids and that they're not, they're not punishing things and and they don't have to be used harshly, you know, but they can help your communication. I think that's, that's something I try and tell people as well. So that's, uh, that's a wonderful yeah. tip. And one more thing that comes to mind, too, is 
um, particularly young horse, is the word riding them forward. So I really believe that, that that's a main thought in people's minds is to ride forward for a young horse. But I really challenge people to understand forward versus fast. And what we wanted to do, want to produce in these horses is cadence and suspension and trueness in their bodies. And let's be very, very careful that when you think you're going forward, you know, make sure it doesn't feel fast because fast is actually very, very counterproductive. So that's just another tip in there is to be careful that we, we don't start running these horses off their legs on their forehands with quick movement. It's, it's, we need forward desire in the horses for sure, but not fast moving legs. Well, Scott, thank you so much for your training tip. I will tell you, I used that whip yesterday. My young horse decided that he didn't want to go forward, and I just didn't have a whip. I was all, it was all fun and games until uh, I didn't have the help. And uh, so I, 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 I'm 100% with you on that one. So, uh, but thanks so much for coming on. Scott, if people want to get in touch with you, how would they, how would they do that? The best is through our Hassadersage website. So it's www.hassadersage.com, and that's the best way to, to reach me. We're going to be back with the email bag right after this word from Fleeceworks. Coach Jen here, host of the Horse Tip Daily Show, and I've been joined here by Judy McSwain from Fleeceworks, and I hear there are some fantastic things coming up in your dressage pad lineup. Tell me about it. We've made some changes to the line for September. The first thing is, is we launched the Therawool this year, and we put it out in the general pads. But by September, we'll have our Therawool in a dressage half pad, which is pretty exciting. Wow, that's awesome. A little bit of a different price point and a little bit more washable. Uh, So I think that's pretty exciting. The second thing that we've done is in our sheepskin half pads with the rolled edge and without the rolled edge, we've taken our dressage size that we had and we've made them a bit bigger. And then because of the changes in the dressage saddles, I thought for a while that we were going to be able to do one pad. And just there's such diversity in the saddles now, we're going to have to do two sizes. And the new size will be in in September. So we've got a dressage half pad with the rolled edge and without in a regular. And in September, we're also going to have the dressage half pad with the rolled edge and without in a large. The wool going to be available in both sizes in addition to the sheepskin? Initially, we're going to do them in the large. Mm-hmm. And then if we get enough demand, if people start to ask us to do smaller, then we'll do smaller. All right. So September, look for those Therawool half pads to be coming to your local tax shop. And if you don't see them, tell your local tax shop they need to ch- contact Judy ASAB. She can be found at fleeceworks.com. All of her contact information is right there. And she's a really nice lady. You should call her. And now we have our New England Dressage Association update for the month with Cat. Well, hi, Kat from the NEDA. How are you? I'm great. How are you doing? Good. What's coming up for for NEDA? Well, NEDA is the New England Dressage Association. We have a ton of stuff that's going on that may affect a lot of people in our region, which is Region 8. Um, So it's everywhere from New York all the way up to Maine. But there's also events that we have going on that people can fly in because there's a lot of fantastic things that are going on. Our biggest thing that's coming up is in September uh, the 13th through the 16th, and it's the NEDA Fall Festival of Dressage. 
And by sheer entries alone, which is usually around 600 um, separate entries, we have the largest dressage show in the country. So it's a fantastic avenue for people to be able to come out and see some of not only Region 8's best riders, but it's also great for FEI riders and CDI rides as well. So it's a wonderful event. We've got the breed show going on on Thursday and Friday, and then Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, we have the regular dressage show going on as well. So there's lots to see. And in conjunction with that event, because it is held in Socrates, New York, Hits on the Hudson is the grounds that we're using. And the Marshall Sterling finals are also going on in the Hunter world as well. So if you like any one of those disciplines, it's a great event to be able to come out for. And that's that's September 13th through the 16th? Yes, absolutely. Okay, very good. And I know you had some other things coming up too. Yeah, we have some other big things. Uh, the next big thing, you know, after we're getting out of our whole Olympic, you know, buzz and all that, we actually have um, the FEI ground jury for dressage, Stephen Clark. He, uh, he was the president of the ground jury. And we have Canadian Olympic athlete uh, Ashley Holzer, who are going to be at our NIDA Fall Symposium October 28th and 29th. And this year, what's very unique about this event is we're holding it up in Maine. And it's about 45 minutes from Portland and about an hour and a half to two hours from Boston, depending on traffic. So it's really not that far compared to where we used to hold it out in western Massachusetts. And it's going to be a fantastic event. And for that time of year, we're very fortunate to be holding it at Pineland Farms because it's a heated indoor, which is so fantastic. Terrific. Yeah. So Anytime everything... you can get a heated indoor where you live, that's all that much better. <laughs> Absolutely. We're really looking forward to it. And Pineland Farms is a great agricultural community that's up there. So we're also looking forward to some great food. And there's going to be some amazing vendors up there as well. And it's really shaping up to be one of the best symposiums that NIDA's had to offer. Very good. And I know there were some, uh, you also had some changes as far as the annual meeting this year? Well, it's actually our year-end awards Awards banquet. banquet. And yeah, And typically, in conjunction with our fall symposium, we'll do a year-end awards banquet. So it's all the people that have won awards um, through the prior competition season. We'll go ahead and we'll do a big awards banquet. But this year, because we were moving it to Maine, we wanted to just go ahead and do just a banquet uh, because we did have to move it up a weekend. Um, We are just having a regular banquet where Ashley and Stephen are hopefully going to stay around and talk a little bit and just have a good time hanging out at the fall symposium. But our year-end's a bit awards banquet is actually going to be moving to our NIDA spring show, which is held in May. And it's usually the first uh, recognized show of the season here in New England for dressage. And because we found that most of our competitors who are competing at the NIDA spring show are actually awards winners, we were going to just have it in conjunction with that. And we thought since we never did almost... um, a big banquet or a big get-together at that show, it would be a wonderful time to get the whole group together and really celebrate what everybody had done in the prior season as a good kickoff into the next upcoming competition season. And where can more where people learn more about NIDA and what's going on? If, if you go to www.neda.org, or you can search for us at um, New England Dressage Association on Facebook, you can find us there too. So this week, Reese, we got some great emails. Our favorite, I guess, was from Vera Rubisova. We want to thank her for her wonderful email. She had some great ideas for the show, some input that maybe some things that she'd like to see, um, especially uh, maybe more of a talk on uh, sports psychology. So we'll we'll fit that into a show as soon as we can. Um, So it's always wonderful to hear from our listeners and whether they got ideas or input or 
some criticism, that's great too. So, uh, you know, we want to thank her very much. Exactly. And, and we loved her ideas and she had some great ideas about amateurs as well. So Vera, thank you for, for emailing us, taking the time. Um, and you can find the sh- our show notes and links to today's guests on our website at dressageradio.com. Like us on Facebook, just search for Dressage Radio Show. Follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. My website is maplecrestfarmky.com and my email is reese at horseradionetwork.com. You can find me at philipparksequestrian.com and my email is philip at horseradionetwork.com. And uh, one more thanks to our sponsors, Equestrian Collections, Kentucky Performance Products, Fleeceworks, and Draper Therapies. They're all great products. You should check them out. Um, don't forget to check out all the other shows on Horse Radio Network. Dot com. Keep your heels down and your shoulders back. Talk to you guys soon. <laughs> <laughs>